Hey everyone, welcome back to Gals on Topic, your favorite book club and then some. I'm Sadie. I'm Izzy. And today's topic is Akatar chapters 11 through 15. I cannot wait to get into it, but before we do, I must, must, must discuss Bachelor last night. I know that this is going to be irrelevant by the time it comes out, but <laughs> sex week? Sex week? Madness. Madness. It's really what I've been waiting for all season. This has been such a boring season. I mean, that's probably being harsh. Like, it's a it's a classic season. People, he's really in it for the romance. <laughs> but my God, I miss the drama. And he gave us... He gave us drama. Yeah, I mean, personally, I've really liked this season because I've just missed the classic Bachelor feel. I, I feel like the past few episodes have just been between COVID and then the producers trying to mix it up with the the style of or how yeah. the structure of the show is. It got so gimmicky. Yes, it was. And they just kept trying to try different structures. And this one truly felt like a classic Bachelor season. The only with the only thing missing the drama between the girls like this is reality TV guys like we don't all have to be so respectful. Yeah, <laughs> what I do really like about this season is now because the girls are so invested in him and he's so invested in finding a wife. Like the drama is just coming because it's building. I don't think he knows. I mean, actually, I do think he knows now, but I don't think he knew who he was gonna pick. Yeah, and I think the girls have no inkling of who he's gonna pick. Yeah. So, there isn't an obvious choice to me. I mean, I I think I have a guess now. We'll say it. It'll be, it'll be literally a <laughs> month after the, the finale. I mean, <laughs> this is very true. Um, I think it's going to be Katie, oh, right? I, I totally think it's going to be Katie. And then, then he's going to look so bad for Gabby. Yeah, he's like, going to look like a scumbag. An absolute. He slept with her, outed the fact to, to America that they slept together then randomly told her he was falling in love with her in that same conversation where he told her that he was going to like out that fact to Katie. And then she, she had opened up about how her insecurity is feeling second and he gave her the second rose. He wasn't looking at her and she's just being done. So do you think he for sure gave her the second rose because don't they edit it? I feel like roses are hard to edit because like the Katie was holding. Yeah, you're right. You're right. When, yeah, when Gabby got called. I think he got so sidetracked with how Katie was going to feel, he forgot that Gabby has feelings too. I really liked her line. Oh my God, I had chills. Um, when she said he cleared his conscience at the expense of my boundaries or something like feelings that. Feelings or something. I was like, dang, yeah. that is... I wish she said that to him. Yeah. Like, that is spot on. Yeah. But nothing will ever, ever top Clayton's fantasy sweet week. <laughs> Followed up by Gabby going off on Dude, him. Dude, I I wish that I could quote. I want to do one of those TikToks, you know, where they like perfectly recite a monologue yeah, while yeah. it's recording. Like, yeah. I want to do that for Gabby's speech. I, that's my favorite all-time Bachelor moment. Oh, like, my God. She is so iconic. So iconic. When he asks to walk her out and she looks at him and goes, no. no. With the snarl With the- in her lip. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that. But but yeah, I feel so bad for Gabby. The poor girl. She's she's 
telling him how she's insecure, which, by the way, I feel like everyone is talking about how it's like, oh, poor Gabby. She's so insecure. Bullshit. Everyone's insecure. Everyone (laughs) has their insecurities. We just got to watch her convey hers on TV. So now she's the quote unquote insecure girl. Like, no, everyone has insecurities. Fair. Katie does. Well, I don't know about Ariel, but. Oh, my God. Ariel, she is just the picture of elegance, class. Oh, I strive. She is beauty. She is grace. She is beauty. She is grace. So true. Yeah. It was just, I was just really getting, really getting flustered during that episode and just so shocked at, like, just what a, what a fail for a man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he set a rule for himself that no one made him do that he broke said rule in one day and then he had to tell on himself <laughs> but also he didn't that was the yeah, other no, he thing he didn't have to tell on, uh, tell on himself but he did and it was embarrassing yeah i was begging him begging yeah. him at the screen not to tell her yeah and she was literally like yeah i kind of assumed you were gonna sleep with everyone like but, like, now I'm uncomfortable, and how am I supposed to, like, sit here and flirt with you? Especially because it was the, it would have been the night before. So she's thinking, like, literally less than 24 hours ago, you were having sex with someone else. Yes. That's wild. And then, like, That's they, wild. And then if she was planning to be intimate with him, like, ew. You know You're what disgusting. I mean? It's It's unclean. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's yeah. like, what? Yeah. Just what were you, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? He was trying too hard to be the good guy. He just—he honestly could have just slept with all of them and gotten in less trouble. I totally agree. Let's so. be... It's 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. Well, on that note... <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. The book, Feyre. Feyre. Yeah. Let's dive It's heating in. up. It is. You know, yeah. Slightly, slowly. Slightly. Maybe I'm just manufacturing the the tension or the emotion starting to brew, but I'm feeling it. No, I, it, they're definitely setting some, setting up some, you know, tension, some little banter, some little flirtatious couple moments. intimate moments. Yeah. Should we dive in let's to our chapters? It. Yeah, chapters let's do it. eleven through fifteen. Yes, yes. And just a reminder for our audience, because I don't think we said this last time, and if you didn't listen to our intro episode, which if you haven't, you really should. How dare you? But the the structure of these episodes and the concept behind reading this book is that I have already read it multiple times, actually. And Sadie's reading it for the first time. So if you're wondering why I'm like leading us through summarizing the chapters, it's because... I've already read it. And Sadie's jumping in with her thoughts and questions and predictions. Yep. I'm just here. I'm just here for fun. Izzy's really doing all the work. <laughs> I'm like, I felt, like last time with all the summary that we had, I felt like a classroom teacher. I was like, I'd, I would like summarize. And I'd be like, Sadie, let me know what you think. Or like, <laughs> like testing you. Uh, no, it was good. We have to, we have to, we're recapping as well. The goal yeah. is that hopefully if you're not a reader, which hopefully you are and you're reading along, but if you're not, you can still listen and enjoy and follow along the plot. So it's necessary. Absolutely. Okay, let's dive into chapter 11. Okay, so 
we left off last time, chapter 10, with a little cliffhanger. Oh, yes. And I'm so caught up in chapters 14 and 15 now that I forgot the cliffhanger because yeah. it also turned out to be irrelevant. It, but it was so irrelevant. Like, honestly, when you were so mad about it, I was like, you're actually going to be even more mad when you realize this wasn't even a cliffhanger. <laughs> this is a, such an irrelevant plot point that I totally forgot about it. <laughs> I literally read just two one more, two more pages and I was like, I am an idiot. <laughs> but I felt bad. Okay, so the cliffhanger last time was that Feyre's looking out the window. She's waiting for Tamlin to get back, and she sees, like, a movement in the garden, and she sees them come forward, and it's her father. So that was what we left off on. Obviously, you're led to believe her father has somehow miraculously come to save her or come help her, and Sadie gave this whole nice speech last time about how her dad would do the same thing. Literally <laughs> tragic. <laughs> and... And I, that is so sweet. But that's not what Feyre's dad did. <laughs> I mean, he might have. He's just a crippled. He might not have made it. She thinks it's her father. She goes into action mode. She, like, grabs her knife. She's like, maybe my father sold our cottage, got money to set up somewhere else. Maybe he brought a ship. She just can't believe he came for her. Because he didn't. <laughs> she sees her father beckon to her. She climbs out the window and hurries after him. And she's looking around for, like, a horse or, like, how did he get here? She's, like, following him. He's kind of, like, running, but too fast, considering he's crippled. Scurrying towards the gate of the garden. Feyre thinks they're finally about to be home free. They're in the darkness. They're, they're running silently through the garden. And then she feels a massive hand wrap around her arm and a voice say, going somewhere? And it's Tamlin, of course. He's always just popping up. Oh, Tammy. Oh, Tammy. And he's in a pretty scary form, like claws out, fangs. He's like half him, half animal him. Feyre thinks he's going to kill her and her father at this moment because he looks angry. So she's like, please, my father. And Tamlin's like, your father? And tells her to look again, but nothing's there. Tamlin's really mad at her. And he says, weren't you warned to keep your wits about you? And then he calls her a fool. And... This feels a little unfair. She's been there for like three days. And <laughs> if you see your dad, why would she assume it's not her dad? Yeah. You know, like, you know I was fooled. You were fooled. <laughs> I was a fool. <laughs> I, quite literally, uh, I wrote, I felt sad for Feyre. She was crushed when it wasn't her father. In parentheses, I also felt like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was looking back to like when we were talking about it at the end of last episode and you started going on the whole tangent and I was like, oh no, oh no, she's going to be so mad that she did this. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so sad for her though. So Tamlin tells Feyre that if she's going to run away, at least do it in the daytime. And he says that there are worse things than the bogey prowling these woods at night. So at this point, Feyre realizes it was some creature, not her father. But she's like, can you blame me? You ripped me away from my family. I think they come for me. Of course I'm going to run for them. Yeah. So Tamlin's being, he's being unreasonable. And then he goes, what do you want, Feyre? And she's like, I want to go home. And she tells him about the promise she made to her mom before she died to look after her family. 
and how it's not fair that just because she was hunting to try and keep them alive to keep that promise, now she has to actually break that promise. And then he tells her she's not breaking her vow. She's actually fulfilling it because they're now better cared for than when she was there because they're actually fully fed, fully comfortable. And then she has this moment of like, oh my God, my vow is somehow actually fulfilled, kind of processing that for the first time. And even though now she's, she knows now she's owned by this treaty and like living here, but she feels free. Like she doesn't have this burden of caring for an entire family on her anymore. But for like a split second. For, yeah, for like a split second. Um, they walk back into the house and she asks him more about his and Lucian's duties. And in this moment, Feyre learns that he was trained as a warrior so that one day he could serve his father and that running these lands was not supposed to fall to him. But he leaves it at that. But we learn that this was not a role that he thought he was going to be into, whatever role that is, because we don't actually know quite yet, but we learn later on. So Feyre asks about more about the creatures that prowl the woods beyond the gate. And he tells her the creature that fooled her tonight is called a puka, and they use your own desires to lure you into a remote place and then eat you. And then Tamlin tells her that these lands used to be well-guarded, and deadlier fairies used to be contained within the borders of their native territories and were monitored by fey lords, but because of the sickness slash blight, protection against them has weakened, and now they can get out and roam around and cause all this chaos. Mayhem. Mayhem. Feyre asks him what else is different now, and then he keeps walking but says, everything. So dramatic. So dramatic. But also, I want to understand what it was that was... I'm still confused on, like, what a blade on ma- magic means. Yeah. Like, I want to understand what what was the magic doing that kept everything out? Mm-hmm. Like, was it the guards and it's just that because they fled that they can get in? Or, like, what's specific? Like, I- I'm imagining the the force field shield that they created over Hogwarts and Harry Potter. Like, was it, like, oh. that that's now been damaged because of the blight? So, like, I'm kind of confused on truly how the blight is doing these things and it's a good question and at this point we don't know the answer he just says you know it used to be better governed by fairy lords but like what happened to them is their magic weakened i don't we don't know yeah we don't know also we kind of got past this but i just want to uh call back on it you know she was having this internal dialogue about you know, oh, I'm free now maybe from my promise. Mm -hmm. But then at the end of it, she was back to slightly being like, no, like my family, I still need to know they're okay. How can I ever truly know? Like I need to really make sure that they're okay and that my promise is being upheld. Yeah. And I was like, can she just let this promise go and just admit that like, no, she actually just wants to see her family because she loves her family right like it's not about the promise you just actually want to go see your family because if he's telling you they're better they're way better off with you here they are 
well cared for they're doing great they're comfortable and you're still not satisfied then it's not about the promise it's about you wanting to be with your family and that's totally okay (laughs) you know it's okay Farah. yeah um also i think because even in this chapter she feels free and then she starts just feeling kind of empty and then it's because she has no purpose anymore like literally zero purpose yeah on this earth that's why I she said when she existing. was when she was asking, what should I do with my time or what do you want me to do here? And he was like, um, and he didn't have any good answers. Yeah. So I was like, the poor girl, like she just is like, what? The t- entire human existence is like goal driven. Yeah. What are you supposed to do when you don't have one? Yeah. I mean, she must feel so unsettled. Yeah. So anyway. The next few days pass by and she goes and will join Lucian on his patrol while Tamlin hunts the bogey. She's really not seeing much of Tamlin at all because he's out day and night trying to track it down. Even at dinners, he'll show face for a second and then he'll leave. And Feyre can tell that Lucian's worrying about him and Lucian tells her that Tamlin gets into what he calls like moods. Because he has all these these responsibilities, he has to fulfill them, but he doesn't want to because apparently he was never supposed to be in this role, so it's kind of a burden. So he handles them alone because he doesn't want to burden anyone else and would be really mad if they tried, but just overall is pretty alone in his, like, power. Yeah. So we're learning more about Tamlin. Yeah. What do you think of him now? I'm liking him more. I... It's like a brooding... Yes, character. but I like him more because it's it's founded in something. Yes, you, you know understand we why. understand a yeah. little bit more about his past, past, and I think doing something because of like family obligation. I mean, that sounds more general than I'm meaning it to, but like is relatable and respectable that you like are still doing what you have to do. Yeah. Um. Even if it's not necessarily something you want to be doing. Yeah. And I think that's respectable. And then also, like, it's shitty work and he's not making anyone else do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. There's a, there's a nobility there. Yes, that's the word I yeah. was looking for. Like, he could accept help, but he's just, he wants to do it all himself, which I can't fault him for. Yeah. And Feyre realizes that she can sympathize a little bit like she's thinking about his role and she's like that just seems really lonely and it seems like a really lonely position to be in especially when you didn't want it and that realizes or she realizes that that kind of bothers her that he's I mean, feeling that way she was in a similar position right yeah, yeah. okay so next Feyre leaves dinner with Lucian and then we're in her dream and in her dream She's in the snow facing the wolf with her bow drawn and she doesn't want to shoot him, but she doesn't have control and she releases the arrow, which goes through his eye like the first time. But now it's not a wolf that hits the snow. It's a man, a high fae, and she feels her hand warm and sticky in his blood. And then she realizes she's holding her, his skin, like, like how she, how she did skin the wolf, like, but it's now like 
human skin. <laughs> I really appreciate really Izzy's gross. acting this out as she talks a little bit. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> if only we had a visual. I know. <laughs> one day. One day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's, she was shook. And this is just a perfect representation of the fact that she's starting to see these creatures as people with souls yeah her mindset is shifting she wakes up feeling pure shame like holy shit i'm i am actually a murderer yeah so that's the end of chapter 11 yeah um a quick chapter honestly not much to it quick quick anticlimactic turn from the cliffhanger and then we really just learn that tamlin is sad all the time yeah <laughs> to sum Which, everything just to sum everything up and wh- what did we learn in uh chapters one and two that Feyre is sad all the time all the time a lot of <laughs> sadness okay so chapter 12 Feyre is awake and she's freaked out and she feels like she needs to get up and do something because she doesn't want to fall asleep again, have more bad dreams. So she gets up to wander around the house and decides to start making a map to get bearings on hiding places. And then, of course, as she's trying to be sneaky around the house, Tamlet appears in animal form. And, and it's kind of creepy because it's dark. She's in like a the dark hallway of this manor and he's just kind of this form in the doorway to the gardens in his animal form so Feyre freezes and he limps towards her while he's coming closer to her he changes form from animal to human and she sees that his clothes are shredded she asks him quietly if he killed the bogey and he just says yes and like this whole time he's been trying to be really polite when he's talked to her but like right now she can tell he's just totally drained and defeated and he's just he doesn't just totally he doesn't even have the energy to like to talk try to yeah. yeah so she notices that his hand is covered in blood and she wonders between the blood and the ruined clothes what happened what what he had to do to kill this creature because i mean she encountered it it was really scary And he sees the map that she was trying to make, and he says, you can't write, can you? Which, I mean, she's super embarrassed. She, like, repeats the mean words that people have said about her in her mind whenever she feels like someone's even close to insulting her. Like, he says that, and she's like, stupid, ignorant human. (laughs) You know, when when this happened, this was probably, like, the second, or maybe there's just a few more times in the next few chapters where it kind of gets brought up that I was like oh that's why Izzy asked me after like the first or second chapter about like did you pick that up that they that she can't read or write and I was like oh I didn't even pick it up then it yeah it's a a point yeah (laughs) it's it's a big problem (laughs) um so he follows up that statement by saying no wonder you became so adept at other things. And she's like, wait, is he complimenting me? But she doesn't say anything. And they're just standing in this dark hallway with his blood dripping on the ground. And so she says, where can we clean up your hand? And he looks up at her and leads her to a small infirmary within the manor. And 
in this moment of seeing him alone and wounded, she thinks back to what she's learned about him not wanting this responsibility and what Lucian said, and she feels bad for him. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, she's she was literally this impoverished human. He's this, you know, big, powerful, wealthy fae, and she, she feels bad for him. She, she, she sees that he's lonely. Everyone has their woes. Everyone has their woes. So they're in the infirmary. It's super small. She's like, I guess I don't need to do much because Faye can heal themselves most of the time. But this wound of Tamlin's is for some reason not healing very quickly. So Feyre takes his hand. This is the first time they've touched, which she notices. Ooh. And cleans his hand. And they're totally silent while she's binding and wrapping his hand. Honestly, a very intimate moment. Yes. Very intimate. She steps away and feels him just staring at her. And she says, this room is starting to feel, I mean, in her mind, she says, the room's starting to feel really small. Um, She's just really aware that she's alone in this tiny space with this incredibly powerful and large man. And she's feeling a little overwhelmed and is about to bolt out of the room when he says, you can't write, yet you learned to hunt, to survive. How? And she tells him that's what happens when you're responsible for lives other than your own. And then Talon, still sitting on the table, says, you aren't what I expected for a human. A huge moment. She was acknowledged as like something more than an animal. That's so true. And I thought, that's what I wrote. I literally put the little crying smiley face in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Because I just felt like that was such a huge moment. Not the compliment that I would have exploded emotionally over, but probably meant so much to Feyre. Totally. Totally. It's like, and we'll get to this later, but when Tamlin saves her life in one of our upcoming chapters... And she's like, the fact that he thought I was worth saving. Yes. Like, of course you're worth saving. You're a person. Yes. But she just thinks so low of herself. It's Which so I have thoughts about her thoughts on him that I want to talk about later when we get yeah. to that moment because I'm getting a little bit frustrated with her. Again, I'm just sure. not a big fan. But Totally fair. But we'll get there. We'll get there. So do you think Tamlin saying this? Is he flirting with her or is he just? I think he's thinking out loud. I think he has like subconscious. He's starting to develop interest in her outside of just like this house guest. Like she's an interesting person. Yeah. Yeah, Like he's he's outside of her just being this Mm -hmm. human. Like he's starting to develop like, huh, you actually might have some value (laughs) you know or not even value as in like can provide services or and has skills but just like inherent value Mm -hmm. and he's starting to see that and be interested in it I think it's just those are forming I don't think it's like intentional flirting but I think he's just thinking out loud almost yeah so the next morning we have an interesting conversation here very interesting so Feyre's heading downstairs to breakfast when she hears tense voices. So she steps behind a door and 
It's Lucian and Tamlin, and they're fighting. So Lucian says, I just want to know what you think you're doing. And Tamlin says, what are you doing? <laughs> I, Super interesting When this first started, I thought that they were talking about, like, flirting with with Feyre. With Feyre. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, like, that's dramatic. Um, through her little slit in the door, Feyre can see them, like, face-to-face kind of squaring off. Lucian says, me? By the cauldron, Tam, there isn't much time, and you're just sulking and glowering. You're not even trying to fake it anymore. And Tamlin starts saying something about it being a mistake. He won't do it anymore. Not after what his father did to their lands and tells Lucian to back off. And then Lucian says, back off. Back off while you seal our fates and ruin everything. I stayed with you out of hope not to watch you stumble. For someone with a heart of stone, yours is certainly soft these days. Okay. And he brings up the bogey and the puka being in their lands. So I was getting, I was so confused here. And for a split second, like when he says not after what my father did to their lands or something, for a split second, I was like, is he like planning to use Feyre as a pawn to like take over mortal lands or something? But that just doesn't fit the rest of the fact pattern. Like I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile that with all the other information we learn. So yeah. I don't, I still don't really know what this conversation was about. Even after we like learned more, I'm still confused about that. Fair. It's. I mean, this is extremely, extremely vague. There's a lot of just. It's like seal fates. What is that talking about? What did his father do? You know, Lucian says he's he stayed with him out of hope. Like, hope for what? Like, there's Lucian's mad about something, and Tamlin's pissed off that Lucian's mad at him. Mm-hmm. But we have no context. Yeah. No additional context. Any idea I had, I just can't, I couldn't reconcile yeah. with the rest of the knowledge I know. So I'm, I'm kind of yeah. lost on that one. I mean... The conversation goes on. Tamlin continues to be super vague. Like, give some details. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He says, you think I don't know what's happening on my own lands, what I've got to lose, and what's lost already? So Feyre assumes this is about the blight. She tries to lean forward to listen more, but her finger slips when they hear her. And she tries to cover her tracks by asking Lucian if he's going writing today. And he tells her he's unavailable, but jerks his chin towards Tamlin and says, he'll take you. Tamlin does not seem to want to take her, and Feyre does not want to go with him. Um, So they're standing there in silence, and she says, I don't want to go. I hate hunting. And he's like, well, you've been going for hunts, but you hate hunting? Like, makes sense you don't catch anything. But he relaxes a little bit. Feyre starts to feel comfortable. She asks him about his hand, and he... Um, tells her he didn't thank her. Apparently, the bogey's bite, even to a fae, is crafted to, like, slow the healing so that mm, that creature yeah. can kill them. So she actually did help him by healing it. And she tells him about how she learned to heal from just trial and error on herself because she would always need to go out and hunt the next day, even if she was injured. And so they're walking down the hallway, and... She looks at him. He's studying her again. And 
he says, has anyone ever taken care of you? And she says no. But it's just, he's he's always saying these really deep, like, pointed things. Yeah. In the most casual conversation. It would make me extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> if someone asked that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Also, this is less deep, but in these moments, I, like, forget sometimes that they just have masks on the whole time. It's so true. I think so you're I- like thinking about this tender moment and then like you're picturing it in your head but then just remember <laughs> throw a mask on him yeah, it's <laughs> the middle of the day <laughs> these extravagant masquerade masks I'm just like huh yeah so they get to they're bantering a little bit here he's asking her more about hunting he gets this little glint in his eye and he says I'm curious are you ever going to use that knife you stole from my table And she's like, how do you know? He knows everything, though. She should just expect that he knows everything. But he says he was trained to notice those things. She's all grumbly and is like, well, I thought no one noticed. (laughs) And he smiles at her for the first time, she thinks, genuinely, and tells her, if you want to stand a chance at escaping, you'll need to think more creatively than this. But maybe with your skill for eavesdropping, you might learn something valuable. She... Then asks what Lucian meant about not having much time. And Tamlin gets all weird, goes stiff. But then he says, I'm immortal. I have nothing but time, Farah. And she's like, OMG, he said my name. <laughs> In the book, which I was like, he said it before. But now she cares. Yeah. And he also says it's safe to assume other dangerous creatures will continue to come. And then he leads her into the study slash library, and that's where we end this chapter. Love it. So again, the main the main takeaway here was just this really vague conversation. And also this the Oh the healing. The building of yes. the relationship. Yes, I yes, yes. I think that theme of a of a tender moment while one cares for the other is is a classic in setting up a, a little romance. They definitely have some common ground because no one cares for Tamlin and no one cares for Feyre. Yeah, yeah. So, and they're and they're both there. held to responsibilities that they didn't ask for. Yeah. Okay, so chapter thirteen. Before thirteen, I just have to set the premise for these that one. I have thoughts. My like physical notes are limited because I just couldn't stop to take notes. I was just <laughs> eating it up. I needed to know what was happening next badly. So, yes, this is it was getting good here. It definitely is getting good. And this, I think like 14, 15, yes, but then chapter I think it's 16, but definitely the next chunk is when I felt personally my first time reading that. I was really like, oh, dang, I'm into this. Okay. Yeah. It makes me excited. It just gets better and better. A little tease for what's to come. (laughs) But okay, chapter 13. So they go into the library. Feyre is sweating because she came here to write a letter to her family to let them know that she's safe and to give them a heads up about the blight. But she can't write. And... And she's like, it's bad enough that Tamlin and Lucian know she can't read. Asking them to write a letter is so embarrassing. 
So she grabs a book and starts to try and read. And she can't read, like, at all. Like, at all. Like, the sentence she's trying to read is, she grabbed her shoe standing from her position. And in the book, it's like, she, e, gra, uh, but, <laughs> and like she stops at position because she can't sound it out. Yeah. So she's, she like cannot, cannot read. And while she's trying to read, she's taking notes of every word that she doesn't know and is keeping them all on this little list. To look up later. To look up later. She's oh, a studious girl. That is so cute. Okay. So she takes a break from trying to read to walk around and she finds a painting in the library, which tells the story of Prithian. And this directly answers one of the questions you asked last week about the cauldron. Oh, yes. And, like, Prithian. I mean, well, shit. I feel like I should know, I should understand better the cauldron. <laughs> well, do you remember the painting? That Yes. Okay. And Share I was with like... the class. What did you learn? <laughs> Fuck. I'm being tested. Um, well, when I, I when I was reading it, I was like mapping, like flipping back and forth between the map to fully yes. visualize. Yeah, it's not totally new information because well, it we it connected some dots. Yeah. Also, I had actually. It's funny though. I feel like I my brain is turning like a step ahead of the chapters. Because right before this chapter, I went back and looked at, at the, the map, map and I was like, mm. okay, this makes like a little bit more sense now. I noticed where it marked Feyre's home or village and I could see the woods that they traveled through and I was like, oh, okay, this makes a little more sense. And then like literally the very next chapter, it was giving me the full picture. And I know it said the cauldron was like pouring onto it like that was how it was depicted but i didn't really feel like i learned anything about cauldron so please elaborate okay yeah i guess i mean i guess it didn't it didn't go too in depth but it was like hands holding the cauldron so there's the cauldron then there's the mother and the mother is like is like god for them and then the cauldron is like the source of their magical power so like the cauldron bible she pours the cauldron and it creates the lands of Prithian. That was the beginning oh, of the portrait. Oh, and so then it the goes... mother's the her that Chuck mentioned. I don't know. We will find out. Okay. Um. So, yeah, it just shows that. It shows, you know, the map, the story of Prithian, goes into the Great War, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. She does find out from looking at this map that she is in the spring court. So, I mean, we somewhat could have guessed that because she it's like spring but yeah um we learn that the other courts are autumn summer winter dawn day and night court and in the middle there's like kind of an unmarked territory with a big mountain yes yeah so that's what prithian looks like and again the island yes so there prithian is the island and then there's that there's kind of the continent to the right of them and then there's Highburn on the other yeah Highburn yeah. that's what I was talking yeah. about yeah yeah, yeah yes so she goes back to her little table tries to read a children's book and can't she's getting super frustrated and throws her list of words in the trash she hears a voice behind her 
Tamlin, of course. <laughs> Who else? <laughs> Who else? He's always sneaking up behind her. Um, Tamlin says, I could help you write to them if that's why you're here. She gets really embarrassed because she thinks he's mocking her. As we know, she's a little sensitive. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you're passing up the chance to mock an ignorant human. He's like why would I mock you for a shortcoming that isn't your fault? Like, let me help you. I owe you for healing my hand. And it's not like he's he's pitying her. Like, he's genuinely just trying to be helpful. Yeah. I feel like most of his his offers are genuine. And yeah. And Feyre is just skeptical. She's super skeptical. Yeah. Um. She also has a lot of pride or maybe just... She's so embarrassed that she can't read. Yeah, a lot she, of pride and shame. Yes, at the same together. time. Yeah. So she says no. And she just thinks so low of herself and kind of of humans that she just always thinks that Tamlin is thinking the worst of, of her and of like humans in general, that they're so low and stupid and whatever. But to be fair, it started out a little harsh. Yes, yes, yes. You I know, mean, but they... but also I wish that she would just recognize that like acting this way and getting defensive is getting her nowhere. Yeah. And that maybe if she just pretended to be his friend or get mm-hmm. along with him, he might be more willing to give her the information she's looking for. For sure. For sure. That doesn't occur to her. No. And they kind of fight here. Um because Tamlin's like, you won't let me like help you or whatever, but like you let Lucian take you out on hunts. And Feyre goes, well, Lucian doesn't pretend to be anything but what he is. Oh, that, I was like, ooh, <laughs> burn. Yeah. Obviously, Tamlin's confused. And Feyre says, I don't know you. I don't know who you are or what you really are or what you want. Which I guess fair because we don't really know Tamlin, but we don't really know Feyre either. Yeah. And they go back and forth. He's mad. He says she doesn't trust him. And she's like, why would I? Which, I mean, I agree. Why? Like, he hasn't hurt her, but why would she trust him? This is also a really dramatic fight over just him trying to help her write a letter. And he says again, believe me, you aren't what I had in mind for a human. But like kind of snarkier this time. Mm Mm-hmm. So anyway, she leaves because she's mad, comes back later, and the list of words that she had been writing out is gone. But she's hoping that, like, a servant just came and took out the trash or something. She's trying to read again, but is super distracted by everything. I hope that there's a moment where he, like, sits and pronounces the words for her. (laughs) Teacher Tamlin. Yes, another classic intimate moment. So she's just so confused by why Tamlin is being somewhat nice to her. Like, if she can trust him, if she shouldn't trust him, feeling conflicted because they shared a moment of mutual understanding when she healed him, but feeling like that was dumb because he must just see her as this, like, lowly human. She also realizes that while Faye can't lie, they can definitely withhold information because everyone's super vague with answering her questions and she decides that 
learning any more information about the blight, like what she needs to watch out for, what she should be afraid of, the threat to humans, any loophole in the treaty, like she needs information and she needs to find a way to get that information. And she only knows of one way to do that, which is the surreal. Mm-hmm. So she goes to Lucian's room and finds him sitting at his desk. He, she asks where he's been and he tells her he was gone on official emissary business, but got back in time to hear her fight with Tamlin. And he says he's he's touched that um, her heart has warmed to him. <laughs> I literally wrote, I just love Chuck. <laughs> I like him too. He's funny. Um, he also tells her that... But, but can't you just see Chuck Bass doing that? Yes. It's like he's so... Like his little smirk. His little smirk. He's like flirting almost but like not yeah flirting with her which is the best kind of flirting and you just see, and you just see serena going like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he tells her that tamlin has left to deal with a disturbance and Feyre then brings up the surreal and lucian's like well what do you want to know from the surreal and she just says you have your secrets and i have mine but then also asks, if you were a surreal, how might I trap you? And Lucian, like, being very careful speaking in hypotheticals, is like, hmm, well, if I were the surreal, this is what would work. And then also tells her if he were insane enough to try and trap a surreal, he would take a knife and be prepared to run like hell. And then he gives her a dagger. He also tells her he will conveniently be hunting on the grounds and might be generous enough to listen out for any screaming, but he's also like absolving himself of any responsibility because he's definitely going to deny to Tamlin that he told Feyre any of this. And then he says, I hope your secrets are worth it. Feyre takes the knife from him. And then he says, I think I'm starting to like you for a murdering human. I just love him. And I wrote that, and this is, again, my anti-plot tendencies of, like, I am, like, stupid, stupid girl. Don't go after him (laughs) or after a serial or whatever. Do nothing. Do nothing. Just keep lounging all day. But then the other side of me is, like, the plot. Oh, my God. What's going to happen? I mean, it's extremely reckless. Like, she's already encountered two pretty dangerous creatures since she's been there so doesn't seem like the best idea and i feel like if i was her i would be more worried about other creatures that i encounter on my way Mm -hmm. you know like you can be as prepared as you want for a cereal but you don't know what else is out there exactly and um that point is proven (laughs) in this next chapter Chapter 14 starts with Feyre heading into the woods per Lucian's instructions. And she gets into a part of the woods that feels super creepy, super old. And she sets the trap and she waits for a long time. And then she says, a ripple of silence came toward me as if the wood thrushes and squirrels and moths held their breath while something passed by. So she's hiding out in her tree She strings her bow and starts to question if Lucian is trying to get rid of her because this seems like a really bad idea. And this was her idea. 
not Lucian's. So, <laughs> and it is a bad idea. She hears the sound of cloth dragging on the ground and then a, a snap, a whoosh, and a wicked scream. And then Feyre climbs out of the tree to meet the surreal. The, AKA the most disgusting creature I've ever imagined. Yeah, you should Google a picture of what people have drawn the surreal to look like. It's creepy. I did see this. I didn't want to tell you this because I didn't want you to be mad at me, but I did Google or I did search A Court of Thorns and Roses in Pinterest, <gasps> but I didn't see anything. But I just saw like fan sketches. Of what though? Of just um, like a fairy and. A human girl, clearly. I don't know who. I would guess Tamlin. Okay. But I really didn't see much. And then I was like, this is too risky. <laughs> that is so risky. <laughs> but look up the surreal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I feel like the visual is very important. Everyone listening, look up what the surreal looks like. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. It's creepy. Oh, my God. While you're looking at that, I'll... Oh, my God, the smile. <laughs> While you're looking at that, I'll read what it's described as in, in the book. She says, I hadn't known what to expect, but it was not the tall, thin, veiled figure in tattered robes. And then she says, it has a face that looks like it's been crafted from dried, weather-worn bone. Its skin either forgotten or discarded, a lipless mouth, two long teeth held by blackened gums, and eyes that were nothing more than swirling pits of milky white, the white of death. I am literally going to have nightmares after looking that up. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I pictured it horribly, but it is terrifying. Yeah, people have vivid imaginations on, on the interwebs. Wow. And Feyre's, I thought it was funny because they give this description and then she's like, my mind was telling me, like some distant instinct was telling me to run. I was like, well, obviously. Yeah, distant? <laughs> Mine would be screaming bloody murder in my ears. It's like, that is, duh, Feyre, <laughs> duh. Maybe you should listen. <laughs> yeah. So then it speaks to her. It says, Sometimes I wish I could do voices better because I feel like I need to do a different, like, voice for the most Oh, my gosh. (laughs) If the whole recap, you did different voices for all the characters. (laughs) It would just become, like, an audio book. I can't do it. human did you set this clever wicked trap for me she asks if it's one of the surreal it says yes and it tries to get her to come closer it's like come closer let me take a look at you haven't seen a human in a while she's like i think that's a bad idea and again i'm like okay Feyre just really just stating the obvious (laughs) didn't need your narration for that and the surreal laughs and says, ask me your questions and then set me free. So her first question is, is there truly no way for me to get home? And the surreal says, not unless you seek to be killed and your family with you. So you must remain here. 
do you believe them now yeah Feyre she says that they can't lie and then she just had to go out on this adventure to ask another creature which seems creepier and more unreliable if anything but whatever (laughs) second question what do you know about Tamlin this is the bad question very vague which the surreal also says be specific but he says be or it says be specific for I know a good many things about the high lord of the spring court and this is new information Tamlin is a high lord what were your thoughts here shocker (laughs) (laughs) did that like have any distinguishable meaning to you I mean I was like okay so he is the ruler of the lands yes I got of that court but I could have guessed that yeah and um but I don't know like how you come to be a high lord or what what that really means other than like equi- like making it equivalent to a king yeah the the serial actually elaborates on this it's like well first the serial says hmm you didn't know interesting and then he says spring summer autumn winter di- dawn day and night the seven courts of prithian each ruled by a high lord all of them deadly in their own way they're not merely powerful they are power and this makes sense now why Tamlin's able to destroy creatures like the bogey and be totally fine. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, high fae are all re- That's, like, what Lucian is. And that's what she thought Tamlin was. And they're already, like, the super powerful, like, species of fae. But then high lords, there's only seven of them. One per court. And they rule that court and they're the most powerful. But they are high fae, right? They're just like the most powerful high fae? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So are there, and maybe you can't tell me this so you can say I can't tell you, but are there high fae in the other courts? Or are they different types of fairies in the other courts? No, there's high fae in all the courts. So high fae are like the humans of the fairy animal kingdom quote-unquote well there's lesser fae like alice she's not high fae uh she has no powers she's just she's that's why she's a servant but lucian doesn't have powers lucian can has like still abilities and like some power that you'll come to see later but like and they haven't given you his background yet but You'll see. It, it just makes more sense later on. Okay. And next other question. So like the bogey and then the cereal mm-hmm. and the other creatures. Are th- yes. But then the other ones we're about to meet. The Naga. Yeah. Are they fairies? They are like the dark. They're like dark creatures. Because you'll meet fae who are not human like and okay they're still yeah fairies. that's what i was wondering but was... they're like i think these are specific creatures from like the dark power or something or okay yeah i remember them saying that i was just like are high fae the only fairies that are human like because all these other ones like they're kind of human like but they're more just like scary monsters yeah like the surreal and stuff so i like i was like is that 
are high fae really the only ones that kind of look like humans or are there, are there other fairies that are human-like? Like the, so for example, the surreal, the creatures that we've encountered so far, they wouldn't exist like within the court structure. Like they are not governed by a high lord like Tamlin. Like they live in the kind of the no man's land. Like they shouldn't be in the court's territory because they're not considered they're not really considered fae. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel a little little more clear. Okay. It will become I'm sure I will learn more yeah. and more. Yeah, for sure. I, I I wrote that, you know, earlier I had said that I like figuring it out and I don't really like when they do a whole time where they explain everything. <laughs> and you're tired of it. It seems less authentic. But now I'm like, I could use a good story time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, you won't get that for a while. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, her third question is why the surreal isn't wearing a mask. And he says it's because he's not a member of any court. He's older than Prithian itself. He's like, it's just ancient creature. Yes. Next question is what can be done about the blight? And he says, stay with the high lord, human. That's all you can do. Stay close to him and all will be righted. Her last question is, where did the blight come from? But instead of answering, the surreal says, the High Lord doesn't know that you came here today, does he? He doesn't know that his human woman came to trap a surreal because he cannot give her the answers she seeks. It's too late, human, for the High Lord, for you, perhaps for your realm as well. Fair is very caught up on the line, like his human woman. But then the surreal keeps going that across the violent, violent, not violent. Sometimes I type things wrong and then I say them. I'm like, no, not violet sea, violent Western sea. There's another fairy kingdom called Highburn, ruled by a wicked, powerful king. A king, not a high lord. So he rules everything. It's not split up into the courts like Prithian is. And he's very anti-human because he sits on a chair of their bones. <laughs> Yikes. And he tells her that the king of Highburn has been unhappy with the treaty for a while and resents that he was forced into signing it and letting his slaves go. So about a hundred years ago, he dispatched his most trusted and loyal commanders and warriors that are as resentful as he is to infiltrate the various high fae courts and kingdoms and empires. And then nearly five decades ago, one of his commanders disobeyed him. The surreal calls this person the deceiver. And then the surreal is about to continue on, but straightens up and says, we are not alone. Ooh. But also, here we go. Some This was a little bit of story time, like, you know, there's a king. There's someone called yes. the Deceiver. That's ominous. No, it was great. The plot, some potential conflict, maybe a villain. Like there, this is this is information. Yeah, I got excited because I knew that there was going to be conflict. Obviously, it's it's you know a story, but I um, <laughs> it got me excited that I was like, okay, so the conflict isn't gonna be human versus fairies again. It's gonna be with this bad fairy it's a fairy right yeah it's a fairy yeah okay. yeah yeah 
Yeah, we'll see. Okay. So the Suriel says, we're not alone. Feyre draws her bow and scans the forest. Suriel tells her she must free him, and he almost looks panicked. And it tells her... I had it as it was the it was a girl. I the don't think they, I don't think they say, but oh, I've just been trying to say it. I guess <laughs> you think it's a girl. <laughs> Why do you think it's a girl? I don't know. I was just, I don't know. I got feminine energy. Okay. <laughs> okay. But sorry, cereal can be a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've just seen these pictures. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stick with it. Okay. <laughs> Not us trying to assign it a gender. Oh, gosh. What am I thinking? So it tells her again to run for the High Lord's Manor and not to forget what it told her. Stay with the High Lord. Feyre asks what coming, what's coming, and it tells her they're called the Naga, fairies made of shadow and hate and rot. So Feyre lunges for the snare to free the Suriel. Four shadowy figures appear through the trees, so dark that they seemed made from a starless night. And that is the end of chapter 14. That's the end of chapter 14. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I lost track. We have so many. I know, I know. That was a good chapter. Wait, it was I wanna... so good. I was like, the book was like an inch from my face. I was just eating it up. <laughs> Okay, I want to ask you, you said earlier you still don't like Feyre that much. Yeah. Why? I just, I was going to talk a little bit about this after her next interaction with Tamlin because, so maybe let's just. Do you want to wait? Yeah, re-ask that question in a little bit. Okay. Okay. So, our fifth and final chapter, chapter 15, Homestretch. So the Naga come. She says they're made from her nightmares. She describes them as a horrendous combination of serpentine features, male human-like bodies with powerful arms ending in polished black flesh shredding talons. (sighs) Creepy. She's like, Oh my gosh, okay, these are the creatures from the legends, from my childhood, Mm -hmm. who just enjoy tormenting humans. One of them smiles at her, which is especially creepy, and says, The Dark Mother has sent us us a gift today, brothers, and a meal. Although another Naga says, not much to eat. I feel like we just get so much commentary on how, like, thin she is and underweight i'm like i get it she's poor (laughs) okay so she's backing away she remembers that lucian said he would be nearby so she could scream but she can't like muster yeah any reaction or any breath so they start inching closer to her and she realizes okay i gotta do something gotta act so she one screams super loud (laughs) two fires her arrow at the tether holding the surreal in place and sets it free. Which I was like, that's really a high character move. Yeah, humane. That yeah. was really I was hoping that she was going to do that. I don't know why I liked the surreal. Less now that I've seen the picture. But <laughs> I just like anyone it who's has, slightly cooperative at this point. And it has it has all the tea. Yes. 
it gave me what I was looking for. Yeah, and I like how it kind of stirs the pot. It's like drops this bombshell that Tamlin's a high lord. And it's like, oh, interesting. You didn't know? Yes, <laughs> I liked it. Yes, exactly. I liked her. And so she, <laughs> I like that you think I just do. I just woman. do. Um, but then and then she kept yelling, human, human, like, please let me go, you yeah. know? And I and I was like, let her go. <laughs> like, she just helped you so much. I know you didn't get all your answers, but like, let her go. I don't know why. I am I am so not someone who like roots for the villain. Like I remember talking with my cousins after I was like reading Harry Potter for the first time. They were like such Malfoy fans, and I was like, Ugh, gag. <laughs> and like I'm just no, I am I am for the hero. Like I don't like the villains. And for some reason, you're anti Farah. I'm anti Farah. <laughs> love the cereal. Love Lucian. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, the cereal isn't like a villain. It's just creepy. That's yeah, not. That's not. It's her, just that's not her it's fault. Just out of character for me. I don't know what is going on. But I was happy she let her go. Me too. High character move, Farah. So, okay. To recap: one, she screams. Two, she frees the cereal. Three. She fires another arrow at one of the Naga and hits it, but she can't see if she killed it because the other ones start to really come for her. And she just starts sprinting, hoping that Lucian heard her scream and will come for her. I feel like running is not really a a solid plan because she said time and time again, like, every creature is so strong and fast. I was like, she's going to... There's no hope, but she's doing really well because and, she and what else them. are you gonna do? Right, what else are you gonna do? Yeah. So it's the only option. So she's running, 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 and again she's doing well. They haven't caught her for a while. Somehow, she's almost to the edge of the woods, but two have caught up and they're kind of flanking her on either side, and one's about to pounce. So she fully stops and swings her bow mm-hmm. while they're in motion, which knocks it out. But then the third Naga gets in front of her before she can keep going. She swings. He dodges. Then the other two Naga come up (laughs) behind her and she's fully surrounded. And like, where is Lucian? (laughs) (laughs) This was so intense. Yeah. So one of them says, scrawny human thing. Do you know what you've cost us? Which that was unclear. She says, go to hell. And then they say, we'll have our sport, though you might not find it amusing. And then one snaps her bow and grabs her by the throat, hurls her, hurls her to the ground, and says, when we're done ripping off your skin, you'll wish you hadn't crossed into Prithian. We will cut you up so fine there won't be much for the crows oh to pick God. up. So, oh my god! I just feel like at this point in the book, there's just such a like 180 between she's in this manor, she's in the spring court, there's flowers, and it's warm, and she's like nicely dressed and is eating well, and then it's like all of a sudden it's like deathly creatures saying these like really violent things. Super you know what I mean? violent. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. So I'm getting somewhere with this, okay, but. One thing about me, okay, I'm an Orange Theory girly, okay. okay. Um, that shit gets Can't a wait little. Can't see where this is going. 
but that 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 gets a little intense sometimes i can't do it every day but if i don't go then i've literally not moved from a chair all day because i work a desk corporate nine to five job as sure. to you. sure so when i don't get out of when i don't work out i didn't move that day i went mm-hmm. from bed to chair bed to chair yeah. chair to bed yeah and so I, what I've been trying to do is, while I do read before bed, I try, I've been trying to like go down to my apartment's gym and walk on the treadmill while I read or sit on the bike and bike while I read. And I'm like super casual because when I go to Orange Theory, I get like super sore. So it's just like supposed to be relaxing. Movement. Yeah, I'm just trying, totally. to, just trying to get the blood flowing, totally. trying to like not feel so lazy um but so i was on the bike when i was reading this chapter (laughs) i was sweating because i was going to town with those pedals like it was so intense literally i was going faster trying to get her to go faster like and it was like not even i wasn't even thinking about it like i was so entranced in the book like faces an inch away from the book like just pedaling as fast as i can people around me are probably i'm not even paying attention to them they're probably giving me the side eye like what's going on with this girl <laughs> but i it was so intense like in detail of the whole fight scene and then then i swung but i dodged it and he pinned me to the ground and then i stabbed him in the neck and then he pinned me back i was just like my feet were just like going to town and then when i got through the end of the chapter it like settled on me that and i was like literally sweating and i was like this was supposed to be a low intensity day <laughs> you know but you got a really good workout in i did unintentional unintentional thank you sarah so- thank you. or sarah the writer <laughs> yeah thanks sarah her action scenes are very intense it intense. gets so intense out of nowhere like last chapter yes. she was just learning how to read and then now it's like <laughs> these lines like we're gonna feast on your flesh it's just it's really it's a lot also Thank you, Sarah, for the workout, but also concerned about where your mind can go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With these very descriptive, brutal murders. Oh, God. Just wait. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right, carry on. So once on top of her saying, blah, 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 we're going to kill you, we're going to eat you, all this stuff. She grabs the knife in her boot that Lucian gave her and slams it into her neck and the blood from this naga like runs down her face and into her mouth gross uh just notice how you're calling it a her i'm calling pharah a her oh okay. <laughs> yes yes pharah is a woman Cyril <laughs> is long gone okay <laughs> i know she's your favorite character <laughs> no i thought you were referring to the naga as her okay so she pharah scrambles to get back up but before the other two can get her, she's hit again. She's super dizzy. One of them keeps threatening her violently. Overall, it's feeling like she's screwed. But then she hears a roar, but it's not the Naga. The one near her goes flying away, and she sees Tamlin. Of course. Of course. He's in his Tammy animal form. He roars again, and the remaining Naga tries to run away, but Tamlin tackles him and disembowels him with a single swipe. When they said that, I literally almost threw up. Yeah, I wrote, (laughs) oof. 
in my notes. <laughs> you are so much like classier than me. Like I'm like gagging into this mic and you're like, oof. <laughs> so Feyre's paralyzed in fear on the ground. And Tamlin, now finished with all his disemboweling, comes to kneel beside her. And she asks him how he found her. He tells her that he was tracking a pack of Naga, but four escaped and must have followed her scent here. But then he heard her scream, so he came. And he reaches a hand towards her and runs a finger down her cheek, which could be romantic or he's just wiping away the Naga blood that's literally coating her. But then he takes off his shirt and gives it to her to wear. He tells her that he found a Naga dead half a mile away and saw one of his arrows in its throat, which is the one that she fired. So he knew she, he knew she must be nearby. So Ferris, like, while well, obviously grateful, he's there, very afraid of him in this moment because she just found out he's a high lord and she's seeing him in, like, peak high lord form, which is, like, powerful, ruthless, you know, so he helps her up, asks, you know, do I want to know what you were doing out here? And she just, she doesn't tell him. She just says that she didn't realize how far she had gone. And he asks her for future reference to stay close to the house when he's gone um, for her safety, which it's different from him not caring about, like, if she stayed or left, you know? Yeah, and that's why I was like, I was getting more annoyed with Feyre here. Okay, elaborate. So, like, again, not a big fan because she's said this man, you are about to get torn to shreds and eaten alive. Yeah. This man came in and saved you, and you're still sitting here acting like he's the animal. I understand he goes into animal form. (laughs) (laughs) But she's still sitting here being like, he just murdered them without a thought, blah, 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 blah. Did you not kill that Faye without a thought? Yeah, also, she also killed a Naga. You know, it, she, yes, she, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, like, she does say, like, maybe we're the same, but, like, I'm just, I just feel like in every chapter, she makes a point to, like, one, she acknowledges when she, that she, or when he makes her feel, like, just a pitiful human. Yeah. But then she just is a hypocrite because she's seeing him as nothing more than a beast even when he's like actively trying to be the opposite towards her and she's pretty ruthless she is so cold to him and he continues to like try and protect her like he saved your freaking life and you're like oh my god i can't believe you killed them like i mean she didn't say that but she's thinking it and i'm just like yeah, because they were going to kill you. Self-defense, my guy, or protecting your family. Like, right. I don't know. So that was really annoying me. I was like, give it up. Give it up. Right. It's she's been afraid just she's so afraid of him and he hasn't actually done anything except done exist anything. To, to warrant that. So, but you know, she's overcoming like 19 years of being told to be afraid, I guess. So, yeah, you're right. I should have a little I was quick to, I will acknowledge that, like, obviously she's been told in her ear that she should be terrified for of them for 19 years. I've been told for, like, three chapters. 
<laughs> first three like, chapters get over it. <laughs> and so like fall in love already <laughs> exactly literally <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so i understand she has some trauma to break through but yeah my goodness so at least she does thank him yeah. for saving her life and she does truly mean it she says she like i said earlier feels honored that a high lord thinks she's worth saving and came out of his way to save her he tells her it's the least he could do and says let's go home which is like mm. they share you know they share a home which is i don't know if i mean fair was like that's not my home but i don't know i thought it was sweet i liked it yeah i liked it Farah's thinking to herself on the way back about what the surreal said and the fact that it told her to stay with the high lord and not to go looking for answers so she's like okay i guess i'm truly not going back to my family i guess i'm it feels like she's now gonna have to embrace her life here now that she knows for sure what her best course is because she heard it from the surreal Mm mm-hmm and the mo- apparently the most trusty resource she's had in her experience the here. surreal <laughs> and i love how much you love the surreal <laughs> i was being sarcastic there like i don't know why she all of a sudden decides like everyone's been telling her to just stay there so the, but yeah so i guess the surreal that's what they are like if you trap them they have to answer Okay, yeah. But it's a little bit, it seems redundant when she's like, well, Faye can't lie. So yeah. it just, it's, it seems redundant, but she's happy now. She yeah, has her I, answers. I get it. You need to, you know, survey multiple yeah. people. Yeah. So the chapter and this episode ends with Feyre and Tamlin returning home in silence after he saved her life. Although Tamlin, Feyre observes, doesn't look triumphant he's just hunted down a bunch of creatures and killed them but he doesn't he just seems and looks defeated and that's where we leave this chapter until next time not really a cliffhanger kind of a yeah i appreciate almost it, it feels like a beginning like an ending yeah. of of her skepticism and we'll see where this brings her next chapter yeah. how she embraces this new life wow I, you just took the words right out of my mouth oh my god Embrace we're such good podcast <laughs> no this was a great set of chapters i'm excited to keep reading i yeah like i said i was just eating it up i feel like th- i've been reading a lot of more simple type of books lately and like one-off yeah, and that are more like yeah. current Some society, coho. like world, mm-hmm. you know, and they've been good and I haven't really thought much about it. Like I'm just consuming whatever, but this is the first time I'm like, you know, first time in a while that I'm like reading a book that I'm just like, re- I'm into it. Like I'm like, I like this world. This is new. Yeah. This is something I've never read or experienced before. It's like really exciting and i forgot what it's like to like enter a whole new world because even when i because i i got super into reading which is sad but when i first read the harry potter books like two years ago and i had always had a 
New Year's resolution every year to like read five books because I knew I liked reading. I could just never force myself to sit down and do it. Yeah. And then that was never working. So then two years ago, I said, okay, I'm going to read the seven Harry Potter books because that will get me going. I've always wanted to read them. I love the movies. Read them. Haven't haven't gone a night where I haven't read since. Like, love them. That is so sweet. <laughs> but, like, even that, as much as I love the Harry Potter books and still amazing series, I had already kind of known the world from watching the movies. Yeah. So this is truly, like, the first time in a long time where I feel like I'm entering a whole new world that I know nothing about that's, like, really exciting you know oh that's so deep I know sorry oh my god no I love that (laughs) I have chills (laughs) I'm excited too oh my gosh okay well I'm super excited for the next set of chapters but the honestly the rest of the book is all good ah yay and it just goes uphill from here let's do it so Okay, my one my one question for you, and I feel like I kind of know the answer. Okay. But, you know, a main theme throughout these five chapters, you're looking at me so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm not asking you anything tough, I okay. promise. Okay. So just obviously throughout these chapters, there's moments building with Feyre and Tamlin. Do we ship? Are we, are we hoping for more between them? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely them, right? Um, I think that they are going to have some moments where they bond and make the connections between their lives that on surface level seem so different but are actually internally the same. Think they're gonna have those moments i think they're starting to make those connections in their own minds and they just need to share them with each other definitely they're all in with like that's end game it's gonna be them i love i love a foe to love her story like i said so i'm very excited to see it develop it can't happen fast enough <laughs> um but i do still like i hope it's not like i mean it would probably be fine if it is one thing about me is, like, when I do really love a couple, I will full send them all the way, and I don't want anything to disrupt it, just, like, my anti-plot tendencies. But, so, once I, if, once I see them together, if I, like, really am loving them, whatever, I won't want this to happen. But right now, as, like, them not being my favorite characters, I, I'm hoping that, like, yeah, they eventually get together and everything, but there's still turmoil in their relationship. I hope she, like, I hope that Chuck gets involved. Like, I hope that there's still, like, maybe some triangle moments. Maybe, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I might completely change my mind once they're together and I, you know, love them together, but I'm still hoping for, like, a roller coaster romance a little bit. We will see. Okay. I'll be checking back in with you okay. next episode. <laughs> Watch it just be like she completely gets with a completely different person. It's not Tamlin at all. But I wouldn't that wouldn't that be wild? A plot twist. A plot twist. <laughs> okay. 
Well, that was our episode. Thanks to everyone for listening in. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Gals on Topic to stay up to date on when episodes are coming out, what chapters we'll be covering. And also don't forget to like and subscribe on Spotify. But thanks, everyone. We'll see you next episode. Bye, guys. Bye.